Hello and welcome to Veterinary Vertex, a podcast of the AVMA Journals. I'm Sarah Wright, and I'm the social media editor for the AVMA Journals. Today, I'm bringing you a special episode with our guest, Dr. Matthew Sfriot. Matthew is a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Radiology and the European College of Veterinary Diagnostic Imaging. He's a true world thought leader in positron emission tomography, CT, in horses. We're going to talk about Matthew's July 2022 AJVR Currents in One Health manuscript, Positron Emission Tomography, a horse in the musculoskeletal imaging race. Matthew, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for this opportunity. All right, let's dive right in. Your manuscript focuses on positron emission tomography CT. Can you share what that is and how it relates to One Medicine? Yeah, so PET, positron emission tomography, is a nuclear medicine imaging technique. And so it's um, similar to scintigraphy that we use more commonly in, in vet med, where you inject a small amount of radio tracer, let the racer distribute, and then capture an image. But the big difference between PET and scintigraphy is that in PET, we can capture um, information in three dimension. So one way of presenting it is that PET is to scintigraphy, what CT is to radiography. So we move on to something cross-sectional uh, with higher spatial resolution, which helps to better define lesions. And so PET has been around for um, several decades and in the human field, it's best known for the use in oncology. Um, and in veterinary medicine, there's been a little bit of work in small animal oncology. Uh, but there was very little about uh, orthopedic pets in the human field. And as we started using it in horses, obviously there's a big uh, musculoskeletal focus. So it's interesting that we're using it in a slightly different way of the classic use in humans, which has been oncology. Thank you so much. It sounds super interesting. So what were the clinical challenges that led your group down this path? Do you remember any specific cases? Yeah, that's an interesting story, actually, the way the way it all started, because as I mentioned, it's just like an improved in end scintigraphy. And so we could have thought that we use scintigraphy a lot and we know there's a lot of limitation of scintigraphy. So it could have come from that way, being challenged by scintigraphy and deciding we want something better than scintigraphy. Uh, but this is not the way the way it happened. The the full story on that is um, and it's a real good UC Davis story, the vet school here is really well connected with bioengineering. And one day, uh, back in 2013, I had somebody from bioengineering reach out to me saying, hey, could we do a pet on a horse? And honestly, I'd never thought of that. From my radiology training, what I knew about pets was, as I mentioned before, mostly on the onco side. And yeah, I have a big like orthopedic focus, so I haven't never looked too much into pet. But uh, yeah, so when I propose that, I'm like, well, that's interesting. And so I, I read a bit about it and I didn't find too much. And what I found a little bit of application using the uh, the FDG. So pets can use like different tracer. And the main one that is used is the FDG, which is a radioactive glucose used for oncology. And so I was reading a bit about that. And it was like, okay, yeah, there's been a little bit of use of that for tendon. And then in the horse, I was thinking potentially laminitis. So like, okay, this sounds interesting. But at this stage, it was more of an 
academic curiosity and that engineer wanting to have like multiple aim for his research. So it was like, oh, we could put that as an additional aim. And so that's how the discussion started. And that grant actually didn't um, get funded. So it was a bit on the on the back burner. But a couple of years later, um, that same engineer, Dr. Badawi, put me in touch with a company named Brain Biosciences that had just developed um, a scanner. And as you can guess from the name Brain Biosciences, they were not thinking horse foot. It was designed for human head. Um, but there's a characteristic of it. It's a 25 centimeter gantry. And so it was the right side for a foot. And so it was like, well, let's talk with them and see if we can get some pilot data. And so that's how how it started. And um, with um, the local support here, it was like really quick and easy to put that in place. We have uh, funding, internal funding support from Center for Equine Health uh, that helped fund that study. And that's how in 2015, using one of the research halls from Center for Equine Health, we got the first um, pet images on a horse. But so yeah, we, we had used FDG because this is what I knew about. And so we found some interesting thing with with the tendon and we looked at the laminitic horse it was like oh there's some interest but it's actually only shortly after that that i came across we had images for three horses and i was like okay that's cool we have pet images on the horse but it was just like tendon imaging laminitis was interesting but what really sparked my interest even further is when i came across that paper about sodium fluoride which is an other tracer uh, that is used in in human medicine and it's a bone tracer so sodium fluoride is used a lot for detection of bone metastasis but i came across that one paper that had just been published at that time that was a use of sodium fluoride to image human patients with um foot pain of unclear cause and so that really like you know hit me it's like foot pain of unclear cause this is what we're looking at in the clinics every day when we're looking at horses and so that's when we decided, okay, now we need to image horses with sodium fluoride. And so we got that organized right away. And that, that was really the, the start of, of a long story. And um, you're asking about like specific cases. And I think, you know, so, sometimes the stars are, are well aligned and it's the whole, the whole story here between all the different connections. But that very first horse we imaged with sodium fluoride. So we picked a horse that we know had a navicular bone lesions because we wanted to make sure we had a lesion to image and so we made that horse and she has like a, a very trash navicular bone on one side and so obviously that navicular bone like lights up like like a light bulb uh, as we were expecting but this is a navicular bone that's very abnormal on, on radiographs too that's how we knew it was abnormal but what we were not expecting we imaged both feet and the other foot also as an area that lights up much smaller much more focal but what was fascinating there is that the radiographs were normal and we also did a ct an mri scintigraphy read through all the imaging we added that horse and all these other imaging modality didn't show anything and and it all makes sense because this is kind of the principle behind pet we're talking about functional imaging we're talking about imaging at the molecular level because we're looking at the distribution of this tracer. And so that is one of the advantage of the technique to detect early lesion when you only have some changes at the molecular level before you have structural changes. So it's it's the whole concept, but what was pretty cool is that that horse we had selected from the research herd was a perfect case to illustrate that. And it's actually uh, one of the figure 
in the um, AGVR paper, that's uh, figure one. And so if you want to relate to that, uh, it really shows that how we saw something there. And so that's uh, summer of 2015. And just on time to submit an abstract to ACVR. And later in 2015, I already get to present at ACVR on that. And in the meantime, we were like really excited about this early data. And uh, I submitted a grant to Grayson Jockey Club, arranged internal funding here with Center for Equine Health. And just a year later, uh, we had a clinical program in place here uh, to use uh, pets on on clinical cases at the hospital. So it went it went really quickly, and it's all of a sudden like the stars were aligned, and and it it all happened that way. I would comment about another another case, which takes us uh, maybe a year later. So I think that that first case was very important stepping stone for the development of pet but the other uh, second stepping stone and even bigger is once we were there and when we started the clinical program we were like okay at that stage we had identified that we really were taking bone scan to an all other level and one area in uh, equine uh, imaging where we use bone scan a lot is racehorses and so we did a pilot study uh, with racehorses and uh, had some very exciting data comparing PET with um, scintigraphy, CT, and MRI. We identified some changes in the proximal sesamoid bones uh, that we could not see with other modalities. And in racehorses, breakdown on the racetrack is a big issue, lots of breakdown coming from the fetlock and uh, the proximal sesamoid bone being an area that is uh, commonly involved and um again another like good davis connection we have the orthopedic research lab here with dr stover uh, who has for decade done research on, on racehorses and introducing the concept of these like early changes that precede breakdown but the challenge that had been known for the years is that we know that these changes are there but it's difficult to catch them on imaging and so i think i will always remember that when i had made the first racehorses and I went to Dr. Stover and I was like, I need to show you something, I need to show you something. And we're sitting in the office and she's is that and she's like, oh my God, this is you found gold. And so and that was like the beginning of the of the involvement um with the with the racehorses, which has really helped um developing we obtained the funding to be able to create the scanner to scan standing horses because the initial work was all done under anesthesia which was a big limitation to implement at the racetrack uh, but yes through support from Grayson jockey club uh, the stronach group we got the funding to working with brain biosciences um developed the scanner that uh, we've been using in the last three years now that's a history of the development it's amazing how the stars align sometimes for us and they just lead us down a really unique path. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been an exciting ride. Yeah. So positron emission tomography imaging is here and now. You are on the science advisory board for Long Mile. Can you tell our audience how this company is working to make pet imaging a reality for all of our veterinary patients? Yeah, so it just builds on what I was just explaining. I first met them in 2015 when they had uh, the original name of Brain Biosciences. And so, yeah, they had that scanner to image the human brain. Um, but yeah, they were a small uh, a small company and it was my you know first time working with 
that kind of company, but very exciting because they are, you know, people who are very uh, creative and looking at new ideas. And when I first told them I wanted to image a whole, the frustration was like, wait, what? They were like, no, it's not going to fit. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're just going to do the limbs. <laughs> and, but yeah, it's been a fantastic uh, relationship uh, with them through the years and uh, leading to the development of the equine specific scanner. And so using the same component as the original scanner, but having like arms opening up and moving up and down to be able to image the limb. And so, yeah, we've been going from that, the scanner we used for the first few years under anesthesia to the new scanner we could use standing. So that's been a huge, a huge improvement. And, um, you know, in, in one year working standing, we've scanned more horses than five years under anesthesia. And um, the standing scanner that we first had here and then at the racetrack at Santanita uh, this year, like um, two more scanners have been installed. There was one installed at Penn already early on too. So yeah, there's currently five of these scanners. There's three more going in before the end of the years and a couple more that are planned for next year. So this is really the time when uh, these scanners are uh, getting installed in many places. So that is that is what's happening now. They're busy building more scanners um always innovating with with each scanner actually the mechanical engineer is complaining is like could we build like two of the same but we're like no we always have some ideas to make it slightly different as um the newer ones that are being installed these days um have the ability to image the horses both uh, standing and under anesthesia because again it was a huge improvement to be able to do them standing but there are a couple situations where we actually like better to image them anesthetize if we want to do more scans if we want to use multiple tracers and things like that and so now they're building a scanner that has the ability of like uh, flipping so that you have the ring that's vertical and then can come horizontal so we can do both so that's a big innovation on the uh hardware side and uh, we're looking a lot into um, software implementation made big progress there as we obtained the pet from that scanner and then the ct all the mri coming from elsewhere so now we have the software that help put the images together so a lot of improvements have been done on that software and then the fun um, fun stuff for the future is the um, you know ai everybody's all excited about artificial intelligence. And uh, I think AI will will help me a lot too. And especially as, as we're cranking up numbers, you know, I was presenting recently at uh, uh, the safety uh, symposium for the racehorse fetlock. And yeah, I was mentioning, I've looked at over a thousand fetlock and um, you know, it's, it's a lot of data and um, I could use help like processing that data and that's something that AI could do. And so with, with one of their software engineer, we're working on that and developing some AI tool um, specifically right now for the racehorse fetlock to help identify horses at higher risk. And um, so yeah, I have a big um, equine focus, um, but uh, we have a couple applications in small animal too. And we have a couple studies that uh, came out of another study about to start. And that's actually also an advantage of uh, being able to flip the scanner because when the scanner is in the horizontal position, then we can use it for dogs. And there's some discussion about um, building an other one because right now we have a 25 centimeter diameter, which is fine for imaging also dog legs and head, but not necessarily do a whole body. 
So there's some talk about uh, making a larger scanner to be able to do whole body in dogs with uh, with one of these long mouth scanners. And so in the, you know in small animal, it's less of an issue as in horses where we really needed something specific. But the concept behind doing that is that you can indeed buy a human pet CT and do dogs with that. But this machine have a high cost, high footprint, takes a big like installation for a clinic. And so the concept of potentially having a specific uh, dog pet scanner, it means that a clinic that already has a city in place could just get that pet scanner in addition to that. And because there's are mobile scanners, you don't have any installation. So that would definitely be an easier way for clinics equipped with city to get into pet city in dogs and not having to invest in a multiple million dollar classic pet city. So yeah, never, never a, a dull moment. Yeah. Lots of exciting things coming up. It sure sounds like it. And funny enough, we actually do have another podcast episode where we talk specifically about artificial intelligence in veterinary medicine. So stuff. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So oh, I know. Right. It's crazy what we're capable of and how the integration of animal, human, and environmental health, there are just so many different facets and interesting new technologies that are coming about. Yeah, and we generate so much data that um, we need computer help. (laughs) Oh, yes, exactly. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So you've been so successful so far, which is really fantastic. What are two to three life lessons that you would share with others trying to emulate your success? Yeah, that's a good and difficult question. But I would say this is, you know, I'm 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 here in the spotlight. But I think this is uh, there's definitely a huge team behind, and so I think that's um, that's a recipe for the success is is um, being in the right place at the right time, having the right people around, and having. Um, great um communication and curiosity because yeah honestly when that pet engineer first came to me he's like don't do pet in horses i wasn't like what <laughs> but i was like it seems crazy but let's look into it and and yeah and i had the right people i mean the connection with bioengineering here was yeah infinitely valuable and then at the end of the day connected me with that other team was outside of the university with brain bio but they've been fantastic people to work with and yeah and then all the all the internal support we had here because we had that id and managed to obtain pretty quickly like internal funding to get things started have access to the research herd that we have here so yeah this is a great you know uc davis success story with bioengineering coming together with vetmed having the funding support, having the logistics support uh, with the horses there. And then the connection extend from that, because I was mentioning later on when we moved on to the race horses, this was a connection with the orthopedic research lab with Dr. Stover, the connection with the racetrack as we started scanning at, at Santa Anita in, in Los Angeles. Um, so, so yeah, I think the... I, I put a lot of work into it and a lot of, um, you know, creativity, but it also happened because I was here, because I was in Davis, um, because I had the right people around. So yeah, what would be the advice for that? It's just, um, 
yeah, just be creative, be innovative, be in the right place, and um, yeah, use all all the the talent that are around you and and bring them together to achieve new things. That would be the story. Wow, I think that's some great advice, and it's really amazing to see how far you've come. It sounds like it's a bit of a passion project too, which I think is always really nice to hear. It so, is. Right. On a bit of a personal note, what is one thing that you're never without? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, yeah, I can. Um, my sunglasses. <laughs> and actually, sometimes uh, people people are like, why do you always have sunglasses on your head? Because yeah, they're probably not far. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I'm in the reading room and people are like, but you live in the dark and you have sunglasses on your head. But <laughs> the story is... Uh, being a radiologist here in California and being an equine radiologist. And yeah, I spent a lot of time in the dark room, but I also love seeing the patient, talking to the clinician. And so I go in and out of the dark room. So I need help with my eyes. And so I get to have the sunglasses for when I get out of the room and come back in and be able to read images right away. So yeah, sunglasses are always nearby. I love that. Very practical, also very stylish. So, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. That. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you so much again for joining us. We really appreciate your time today. And it's been fascinating to learn more about PET and its applications in veterinary medicine and also in human health as well. You can read Matthew's full manuscript in AJVR on our new journal's website. I'm Dr. Sarah Wright. And we want to thank each of you for joining us on this episode of the Veterinary Vertex podcast. We love sharing cutting-edge veterinary research with you, and we want to hear from you. Be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to. Until next time, take care, and we will see you soon.